mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die. But death will flee from them. Look in verse 11. They have, these locusts, have as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he's called Apollyon. This first woe has passed. Behold, the two woes are still to come. And then these angels come and release. It says... These angels come in verse 15 to kill a third of mankind. Verse 16 says there are 200 million angels then unleashed to do this work of killing. And then it says in verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. Did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual morality or their thefts. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to share with you the tragedy 
of being warned and changing nothing. After all those judgments, it says in chapter 9, verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent. This is the tragedy of being warned and changing nothing. Now, I'm about to do something that I don't want to do again. And that's uh, spend a little bit of time talking about how we are to understand the book of Revelation. It's, it's in hopes that this will help us the rest of our time together in this series. But there are a couple things you need to understand as we've gotten right into the thick of all the weirdness of the book of Revelation. There's a couple things you need to understand about this kind of book that's different than other books in the Bible. First of all, I want you to know that these visions of the trumpets are simultaneously happening as the visions of the seals. I want you to notice this right at the beginning of chapter 8. Look what verse 1, the last of the seven seals of judgment are opened. And then right after that, verse 2, the seven trumpets come into view. And God is saying to the author John... I'm going to give you another look at this. Another vision of judgment. I'm giving it to you from a different angle. I've given you the seals. Now I'm going to give it to you from a different angle. The seals, if you'll remember, they, they gave this perspective of trials that come upon the earth because God's judging the earth. But they're trials that even believers have to endure. And so we got in the fifth seal, believers crying out, they killed me. Lord, when are you going to answer that? We've had to endure these kinds of trials. When are you going to answer? The trumpets give us a different angle of God's judgment. And here, the complete focus is on how God is punishing unbelievers. That is why he's giving us a different angle of how God, in this lifetime, right now, is punishing unbelievers before he finally judges them. That's why, chapter 9, verse 4 says, this does not happen to those who have the seal of God on their forehead that we saw in chapter 7. This does not happen to believers. These are judgments just for unbelievers. God's people are present, but they're being protected. That's why we've got this background of the plagues on Egypt. I hope you heard that, the hail, right? The, the, the water becoming blood. Even the word plagues are in there. God's people were present, but they were being protected. That's the background. So... You need to understand this. The visions of the trumpets are happening simultaneously at the same time as the vision of the seals and of the bulls. They're not sequential. They're simultaneous. Okay? That's, that's one thing. There's another thing you're going to need to understand. I'm, I'm getting, getting some interpretive things out of the way, and then I'm just going to preach it. All right? So pay attention. The second thing is not only are they, the visions simultaneous and not sequential, the visions are not photographs of the future. 
You're misreading this if you are waiting for these descriptions to materialize in history. The first verse of the whole book said, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ made known to you literally through symbols. Literally. It is symbolic. These visions are not photographs of the future. They are abstract paintings. That's why 60 times in the book of Revelation, you have the word like. It's kind of like this. It's something like this. 15 times in our passage, we have the word like. Don't look for this exact thing. It's not, you're missing the point. Revelation is not Romans. You've got to read it differently. It is more like Song of Solomon, the way that it's using images to communicate real truth. Okay? That is my caveat. And now I'm going to preach. Revelation 8 and 9 is tragic. It's the tragedy of being warned and changing nothing. You know how sad this is when you see this in little children who are really stubborn and they get warned and they change nothing. You know how tragic it is to see those children grow into teenagers who are really foolish and they get warnings and they don't change a thing. And then they become adults who live tragic lives. But this is not just about a few people. This is about the whole world. This is about Graham, Texas. This passage is for you and it is for me. It is not a tragedy that will happen sometime in the distant future. This is a tragedy that has been playing out ever since Christ went into heaven. It, it was something that the people who originally read this could see. And it's a tragedy playing out before our very eyes. Do you not know people in your life who have been warned by God and they haven't changed? Have you not had the experience of the funeral happening and you're saying, Lord, let this be the thing? Have you not had the experience of someone getting arrested or, or losing their job or their marriage just ends because of their foolishness and they have all these warnings, one right after another, and you're begging the Lord, let this be rock bottom? Haven't you seen this? The message is clear. Here it is. The trumpets tell us this. No one gets away with dishonoring Jesus. No one gets away with not repenting. And living life that doesn't honor Jesus for what, who he is. Listen, no one is going to get away with it. No one. And so the trumpets are calling you and calling me to consider where am I right now with the Lord Jesus? Where is my honor level with the Lord Jesus? We're going to walk through this passage in three parts. Three things that happen when the trumpets blow. First, 
the trumpets blow and forces come for those who dishonor Jesus. Forces come aimed at those who dishonor Jesus. It might be better to word that forces are sent for those who dishonor the Lord Jesus. And they're sent. They don't just happen. They, they come from the hand of Almighty God. I want you to see this in the text. In chapter 8 and verse 7. The first angel blows his trumpet and then hail and fire were thrown. Someone threw it. Look in verse 8. Second trumpet blows. And then this mountain that's burning is thrown. Someone's throwing it from heaven. It's God. Verse 12. The, the fourth angel blows his trumpet. And, and the sun was struck. Who hit that sun? To make it dark. It is God himself. Chapter 9. A star fell from heaven to earth in this fifth trumpet. And then he was given the key. Who gave him that key? Someone gave him that key and that's God. Verse 5. These locusts are allowed to torment. Someone gave them permission. God. Chapter 9, verse 13. The sixth trumpet blows. And then in verse 15, those who had been prepared to kill were released to kill. The trumpets are payback for dishonoring Jesus. He won't stand for it forever. He's not standing for it. Now, he's sending plagues. That's the word used. If you remember the plagues, we're supposed to think back to what that meant and why it happened. And it was God punishing the Egyptians because they would not recognize that he alone is God. They had all kinds of gods. The God of the sun. So he struck that sun dead. The God of the Nile. So he struck that Nile dead and filled it with blood. This is what Jesus is doing. No one is going to get away with dishonoring Jesus. This is the same person, the Lamb of God, who opened up those scrolls of judgment. Now he's authorizing the trumpets of judgment. It is Jesus who will not let them get away with dishonoring him. And so he has these Four trumpets initially, these first four that kind of belong together, these are his physical forces. Physical forces that he is sending against the dishonoring. These are, look, he's taking creation itself and weaponizing it. Don't necessarily look for hail, literal hail. Mixed with fire, though that may be part of how he does this. But this is symbolic. It is meant to learn something from what happened before in the plagues when hail and fire came before. And then say, that was terrible. This is worse because now it's different. It's mixed with blood. 
And here is what it's communicating to us, beloved. Any time ever since Jesus Christ left the earth, any time anyone has ever heard of a tragedy that kills people, which is what the earth is doing here, a tragedy on the earth or in the sea in these first four trumpets, Anytime that's happened, anytime you hear that, you may read about it in the newspaper. They used to say things like, these are acts of God. They, they don't say that as much now. Because that's too true. But whenever you, whenever you read these in the newspaper, you never see the name Jesus Christ. And you should hear the name Jesus Christ. Redeemer, we have the book of Revelation so that whenever you read stories of tragedies where water and wind are weaponized against humans, we have the book of Revelation so that no matter what facts the news tells us, we come back to this by faith and we say, my Lord reign. This is a fallen world. Terrible things happen. Tragedies happen. But it didn't just happen. Jesus Christ sends his forces upon those who dishonor him. I'm not just saying unbelievers die in that kind of thing. But whenever that kind of thing happens. Jesus is doing this and is part of the trumpets. So every time you hear a story like this. You should grieve. You should grieve the tragedy. And do not stop there. You remember, Jesus Christ will not let anyone go on dishonoring him. It's a warning. It's a trumpet to us. And don't stop there. You worship him. You give him honor. Don't don't continue in offense like the rest of the people who are going to be wiped out. You honor him that he is good for judging. That it is wrong to dishonor him. And you prayerfully you devote yourself. Whenever you hear these stories of these kinds of things happening. Devote yourself to honoring him. And trusting him and obeying him. It is fine to say amen in this sermon. It is. It is fitting to praise God, it says, when he casts down the wicked. According to God. Even when things get worse. And this is bad. But chapter 8, verse 13, after those four trumpets blow and the physical forces, God uses creation as weapons. After that happens, it says this eagle comes and says, it's going to get worse. The next trumpets are worse. And so we see the fifth and the sixth trumpet. We're not going to get to the seventh. There's a, there's a break, just like there was in the seals. Again, these are saying the same kinds of things. Fifth and the sixth trumpets. Jesus Christ is weaponizing not physical forces, but spiritual forces. 
in order to punish those who dishonor him. He is sending the devil and his demons. I mean, just look right there. Look at the fifth trumpet, chapter 9, verse 1. A star fell from heaven. In Isaiah and in Luke, there's this reference to Satan being a star falling from heaven. Verse 2, the key to the bottomless shaft, this is hell. Verse 11, it says that there is a king who rules over these locusts, and his name is the destroyer. It's the devil. The one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is using Satan in his judgments. And then it says in verse 12, that's the first woe. The next one is coming. Verse 13, the sixth angel blows his trumpet. And it says that beforehand they were allowed to torment, right? The fifth trumpet, these, the devil releases these locusts, which I think are demons. And they were allowed to torment God's people. And it said in those days they were, they were tor- tormented and they, they, they desired death, but they couldn't find death. They would even want to do what it takes for themselves to die, but God stops them from having that kind of relief, it seems. But not in the sixth trumpet. In the sixth trumpet, verses 15 and 16, look there. These are angels... It says in verse 16, they're they're described as troops. They're 200 million demons who have the authority to kill a third of mankind. These are spiritual forces. I'm saying they're spiritual, not physical, because of the way they kill. Look in verse 17. Look at the way they kill in verse 17. It's by fire. Smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. Verse 18. That's how they kill. By these things coming out of their mouths. Verse 19. Their power. They have these serpent like heads. Their power to wound is a serpent's kind of power. All these things are pointing to. They do this by their mouth. They do it like serpents. It's all pointing to the devil and his demons who attack in a certain way through words. Lies. That's why there's so much smoke. Because they're blinded. They can't see through the darkness. They are darkened in their hearts. And Jesus is using these spiritual forces to punish those who will dishonor him. If you're here and God has given you grace to see that you are a person who is not a Christian. And by that, I mean, you don't live to honor him. I don't mean Christians perfectly honor him, but it is not the dominating 
goal of your life to to love and know and honor the Lord Jesus, I want you to know I'm glad you are here. Sincerely glad you're here. You are always welcome here. And I'm glad you're here today so that you can hear from a passage that this one is different than a lot of them where this one speaks directly to you in a way that most of them speak more so to us. And I wonder if you were able to recognize just how terrible it is to dishonor Jesus. Is God helping you to see what a tragedy it is that you put anything in front of him? That you love your family more than him? That you put work in front of him and relaxing in front of him and sports in front of him and travel in front of him. All those things come before worshiping him. Are you able to see how tragic and how terrible a thing it is for you to live by some philosophy you picked up in college and not by his word? For you to live according to the values that your family has always passed down from generation to generation and not according to everything that comes from his mouth. Jesus Christ is the one who the wind answers to. Who the waters serve. It is so tragic to not honor him. Can you not see that? He not only is right to take life away. But he unleashes demons to deceive people. And then destroy them. This is the Lord Jesus. And no one will get away with dishonoring him forever. Now I want you to keep listening. Because these trumpets. Don't just. Release these forces. Upon those who dishonor. When the trumpets blow, second, those who dishonor are warned. They're warned. I want you to think about this. Why send an eagle to announce woes? Why tell anyone? Why tell the whole world? Why does he have you here today? Why would he tell us it's going to get worse? Why just a third? Why just five months? I mean, Jesus Christ has the stars and the oceans and hurricanes at his disposal. Why not nuke everyone who dishonored him 2,000 years ago? Why take the time to do more than one plague? Why trumpets? That that are used in the Bible to signal something, to alarm people. Punishment's about to come. And these punishments themselves are trumpets. 
Because Jesus Christ is full of mercy. And so he warns those who dishonor him. So again, I say to you, if you're not living to honor the Lord Jesus, can you agree that it is a tragedy to be warned and then change nothing? I'm just going to assume if you were alive on 9-11 that your life changed somehow I'm asking you, how did it change? I I assume when you think, if you give yourself to think about all those Nazis who were so deceived that they exterminated all those Jewish people. You hear that. How does it change you? That in their deception, thinking they are right, they killed. Or people who are tormented in this world. How does it affect you when you meet someone who cannot operate in their life because they're so anxious? They're so filled with torment of fear. Or someone who can't even operate in their life because they are so depressed. That they're being tormented. Or or did you hear the story of what happened last week on, on that Halloween party in Seoul, Korea? How all those people were crammed. 150 souls died and went to meet God face to face. When a tragedy happens. And you hear about it. How should that change you? Well, Jesus talked about those kinds of things happening in Luke chapter 13. This time when a king over or a governor over Rome killed a bunch of people in his community and and was deceived thinking that he was serving God. And, And Jesus said to them, he said, do you think they were more sinful than you? No, this happened. So that you would repent or else you're going to perish in the same way. And then he gave another example. He said, did you not hear about how that tower, it just, it just randomly seemed to fall and then it killed 18 souls and sent them into eternity. Do you remember how that random thing you thought was just an accident happened? Do you know why that happened? It was to warn you that today you're alive and you should repent right now or you're going to perish. It would be a tragedy for you to sit here and be warned. And change nothing about, not about your life, not about your charity, not about how often you go to church, but to change nothing about how you honor the Lord Jesus. Christian. Every single tragedy. It's all encompassed here. Every physical tragedy, every spiritual tragedy, everything that happens in our world that would never have happened in Eden. Everything in your life day to day that happens that will not be in heaven. 
Every single one is a warning. And it's warning that dishonoring Jesus will one day not be tolerated anymore. So every time something like that happens, beloved, listen to me. You stop right there and you just think about your day. God gives you grace. Think about your week. Think about your life. But think about just your day and, and find every single way you dishonored him in your thoughts. And every single way you dishonored him in any kind of action. And, and confess it as sin. And ask God to give you grace to never do it again. I remember when I was young, when I was a teenager, and there were times where I would envy my friends who had the cool parents. My mom was pretty strict. So there were all kinds of rules about how late I could be out. Who I could hang out with. I was punished when I did wrong. And cool parents. Listen to me teenagers. Listen to me kids. Cool parents. You'll be tempted to think they're cool. Because they let their children live however they want. That is not cool. Listen to me. That is not cool. Parents listen to me. That is not cool. Friends, listen to me. That is not cool. It is not cool to drown out the trumpets. Children, if you have a parent who will not minimize sin. I'm not saying having harsh parents, that's sinful to be harsh. I'm not saying they maximize every punishment they could possibly do. That's not gracious. But if you have parents who take your sin seriously, listen to me. And if you have parents who, who are godly because they take their sin even more seriously. Then you are filthy rich. You are so blessed. Because they are telling you by their love, you will not get away with your sin. And that is a fact. No one gets away with dishonoring Jesus. The trumpets blow and forces deploy upon the dishonoring and and the dishonoring are also warned. But this is a tragedy of people being warned and changing nothing. So, beloved, learn this as well about the trumpets. Point number three. When they blow, the dishonoring double down. Look in chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who had loved ones, who read the stories, who knew about those who were killed by these plagues, they did still did not repent. They doubled down in their rebellion. There's another thing I remember about being a teenager. And that was 
ignoring my alarm. <laughs> oh, we got parents pointing at people. That's not cool. Listen, uh, y'all know this. I don't mean I would just keep hitting snooze every nine minutes. I mean, like, I, I had trained myself to let the warnings just keep blaring. And I trained myself to sleep nonetheless. So I'm saying to my children, I, I've seen some of you have these inclinations <laughs> at my home. Do as I say, not as I did. Um, but what I did then, it's not that big a deal. And yet, it is a tragedy to be warned and do nothing. To go on in dishonor. In verses 20 and 21, it says, this is how, this is dishonor. You want to know if you're honoring him? It's right here. It just makes it really plain. Revelation is really clear. Verses 20 and 21 tell us, this is what dishonor is. Idolatry and immorality. And it has no place in the life of faith. And, it, and its place in this world is limited. If those sound like churchy words, idolatry and immorality, don't be going to Google right now in the middle of a sermon. I'm preaching a sermon. Don't go there. After the, in the break, you can just ask one of our four to six-year-olds in this church. Because recently, my little fifth or five-year-old has been coming around saying what idolatry is. Kira, what is idolatry? Idolatry is loving something else more than God. And Lily, what is repentance? And she'll tell you, repentance is turning away from sin or immorality and turning to Jesus. Our four to six, I mean, can you praise God just for a moment for what's happening in our children's ministry? Thank Maggie when you get a chance for all she's doing to train our children and sound the trumpets because it's so good to hear now while we can. They still won't honor him. Listen to me. When they hear God is pouring out his judgment upon his people or his enemies, they hear that and it makes no difference to honoring him as God. Because listen to me, this is how bad it is. You can't read verses 20 and 21 and then just think it's easy for anyone to get saved. Or if you just give them the right argument, they'll get saved. Pain doesn't do it. What saint, uh, sinners hate most is God. God being God. God using God's own creation and even his own enemies to bring judgment upon his people. They hate him so much they still won't turn. They are absolutely committed. When I read this. There are a couple things that came to mind. When I read, when your preacher reads this passage, and there are others in Revelation, I'm just stupefied. 
You know, I was like, what in the world is going on here? Like, it, I, it takes study, it takes work, it takes prayer, it takes time for me to figure out what in the world is going on here. And you know what I blame? I blame left behind. I do, because sadly, this has only been preached by people who are so curious about this and they're wrong about it. They're wrong about it. If you have left behind, yeah, don't sell it. Don't pass on the devil's lies. You, don't, even throw it, don't even throw it out. Burn it. I don't care if you got the limited edition, gold-plated. What? I don't care how much you spend on it. Burn it. And turn on Johnny Cash. Turn on Johnny Cash. When he says, when the man comes around and he says, let everyone who is unrighteous be unrighteous still. Let everyone who is filthy be filthy still. He's interpreting. He's a better commentator on this book than left behind, because that is the reality of what happens. This is the thing that haunts me. It's the word still. Still. This is how lost the lost are. Beloved, when you read Revelation 8 9, and I hope you read it, when you, and then whenever you hear of tragedies that happen in your life, and you witness people who double down in their rebellion, even though they're given all these warnings, when you see it in your loved ones, I want you to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, you're in verse 4 of chapter 9. That's the only thing that's said about us in verse in, in these chapters. Is chapter 9, verse 4, don't, don't let any of this touch my people. But remember, you are spared and you are safe But you were and I was completely lost, completely deceived, completely deserving of all the same judgments. It would have still been true of us today. Something happened. Like when the plagues fell upon Egypt and they were told, there's a way of escape. All your firstborn sons are going to die unless you take blood. And you wipe it on your doorposts. And they did it and they were saved. God's merciful answer to the tragedy of people being warned, of us being warned and changing nothing is he sent his son sinless. And he changed places with those who dishonored him. The Lamb of God is the Son of God. And beloved, he did not ignore the punishment that we deserved. He absorbed the punishment that we deserved. He took it in full on the cross. He took away our penalty. That's how we got away. He took it away. By taking it for us. And he was raised from the dead. To save sinners. So if you're here. And you realize. You do not honor the Lord Jesus. 
Let me ask you this. If these trumpets are partial punishments, and they're warning you, you're not going to get away with it. What must hell be like? Listen to me. Take it from me. Take it from us. We were warned and we did not change. And yet we have received mercy and you can too. I'm saying this, pleading with you not to shame you for dishonoring the Lord Jesus. I'm saying this not to sober you into trying to live a better life. I'm saying this, praying that God will soften you. The devil himself and 200 million demons are leveled at you. Who can possibly help you? Not you and not anyone except the one that they answer to. So honor him, honor the Lord Jesus and surrender everything to him. The reason I want my church here to burn the Left Behind series and all the teaching like it is because if you aren't careful, you will read that and just be curious. And you'll just feel like, well, I'll never have to deal with any of this. I'll never have to witness it. And he doesn't want us just to be curious. He doesn't want the safe just to sit back and watch it happen. Beloved, listen to me. If he's warning. If he is showing mercy and not letting the judgment fall yet. Should we not be warning? Should we not be merciful? Still, they don't repent. They need to be saved. And your arguments won't do it. But Jesus Christ can. So tell them about him. The reason I don't want you to read this in a certain way, you just sit back and think, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I won't even be around when this thing happens. It's happening right now. You're watching it happen. Don't ignore it happening. Is because you should be telling them about the Savior because they're still committed to their sin. And even after you tell them about the Savior, they still need Him to soften them. Because they can't believe it. So, will you pray? Not just proclaim, but beg Him to soften them. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take this word and you would make it bear much fruit in our life. You would make us a people who praise you because you've saved us. And make us a people who do more than that, who follow you and warning others and telling them about the Lord Jesus. And those who do even more than that, we do it with prayer because if you won't soften them, they can't be saved. Lord Jesus, save sinners. We pray this 
in your name and for your glory. Amen.